Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. have your Bibles or your Bible app, go ahead and open those up. And uh, Ian, we can bring the house lights up eh, to 25% or 50%, somewhere in there, so people can actually read what I'm asking them to read. So let's go ahead and do that. Matthew chapter 20. We're just getting started in our series. We started, last week was kind of a prelude to this series, uh, The Heart Matters. And we're looking at, seriously, our brokenness and sin. And we're looking at those, what they are called, the seven deadly sins. Or last week we looked at that saying that they're the seven capital sins, the head sins, the ones that just seem to get to multiply. They seem small and trivial at first, but they seem to multiply. And they seem to get messy, make mess of our lives. And so we want to look at those seriously and allow the gentle, powerful love of Christ to transform those things in us. But we have to be willing to listen and hear why these seven deadlies became what they are and why they're mentioned so frequently in Scripture, whether in story or in teaching. And so if you would... Uh, If you're able physically, would you stand in reverence to the reading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. This is Jesus' teaching. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again at the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and each of them received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? 
Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. It's the word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. When my son was younger and we lived right over here in the parsonage, uh, he had a fascination with birds. You know, there's that little wooded area just to the north of, of the home. And uh, he just loved birds. He still does to this day. He enjoys seeing them. And so we put a bird feeder where he could sit at the kitchen table in the morning and he could see the birds being fed out the window. It made him much easier to feed at that time because uh, he was captivated by those birds being fed at the feeder. And we would, I would take him on occasion, we'd go walk around the backyard and we would see the birds and we would actually walk down the street and go in, there's a place you can go in that wooded lot and we'd go in there and we would look at those birds and he would point them out and he would enjoy seeing them and watching them. His, his grandpa, of course, got him some binoculars so he could look more intently at those birds and he just, he loved it. One time we were over there walking and I noticed that growing in the middle of the field were some thistles. You know, thistles are, you know, very thorny and spiky and they, they kind of spread everywhere. And uh, I, I decided I would come back and I would cut those down. I, I know my father-in-law who has a farm, he would do that. He, he would take out a machete and, you know, cut those and cut the root and split and do all of that kind of stuff. I didn't have a machete. I just thought I'd go over with some pruners and get rid of them. But slowly I began to notice that there were also thistles that were popping up in our backyard. And I was having to try and really quickly go out and dig them out at the root. But it seemed like no matter how many I took out, there seemed to be more. And then when we would do just our family walks around the church property, I began to notice some in the the planter box of the church over here. And I began to say, man, this is like an invasion here. It's an infestation of thistles. And I began to wonder what in the world was causing all of this. I was, I was getting very frustrated with just how many and how often I was having to go and take care of thistles. And then, one day, as I was filling up the bird feeder again, I looked down on the bag of the bird feed. And I noticed something in the ingredients. Thistle seed. It was there that it dawned on me that I was planting the thistles everywhere. It was then I realized that I was the one who was placing it in a place where it could just spread everywhere to the four corners or as far as those little birds could fly. And I began to realize, and I made a decision right then and there, it was time to change the food in the feeder. If I wanted to see the thistles go, it was time to change the food in the feeder. Well, today we are looking at that second deadly sin. The first one we looked at uh, on Ash Wednesday was pride. And, and my hope is that in every sermon we will not just look at this and allow Jesus to, to, to say, is this to, to show us if this is something that we are struggling with, 
but to give us some exercises that help us to allow the Spirit's work to change or transform that deadly sin that might be within us. Today, we look at the deadly sin of envy. And so we're going to be looking at envy. Envy is a, is a difficult thing to look at, but it's mentioned so often in the Bible. Uh, last uh, on, on Ash Wednesday, we looked and we saw that right at the very beginning was pride, this pride of the serpent who told Eve and Adam that they would not die if they ate of the fruit God told them not to, but that they would be like God. Just a chapter or so later, we see envy already creeping in where Cain and Abel, the first kids born, uh, these twins, they, they are... Uh, or these, uh, these brothers, they are uh, bringing their offerings to God. And for some reason, God finds Abel's offering more acceptable and Cain's not. And Cain, in his envy, winds up killing his brother. Later on, we see in the family that God is choosing to bless the, the world with. Uh, through the children of Abraham, we get all the way from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And he has sons. And one of those sons he favors with a, with a nice technicolor dream coat, is what I'm told it's called. And he is, he is wearing this everywhere. And his brothers become so envious of him. That they think about killing him, but I think they do something worse. They sell him into slavery. So this thing of envy works its way through all of Scripture to where Saul is envious of David and seeks to kill and destroy him. We see where even the Pharisees are envious of Jesus. And they crucify him. Envy is something that really, really can get down deep in our souls if we are not careful. Thomas Aquinas says that envy is a sorrow for another's good. It's a sorrow for another's good. That we see something good happening to someone else and we feel sorrow. We don't join in the celebration with them. We feel bad that it's not us. And it takes it a step further. It's not just wanting what they have. It's also wanting them to be deprived of it. That's envy. Envy is not just wanting what others have, but it's also wanting them to be deprived of what they have. This is not... I want to say as we move into our passage of Scripture today... I want you to understand something. Jesus does want us to see how poisonous the sin of envy is when it comes to relationships. But this is not about injustice. This is not about keeping certain people in their place. Just be satisfied with what you have. This is Jesus using a teaching to point out how insidious and poisonous envy can be to you and to those you love and ultimately into your relationship with God. So we want to jump in. We want to look at this because our gentle teacher, Jesus, longs for us to know that most of the time when it comes to envy, 
We are the ones sowing the thistles in our own backyards. And he wants us to join with him and allow him to change the food in our feeders so that we begin to see good things begin to happen. So let's look at this because we need to change the food in our feeders. So the first thing we need to see about envy that our passage tells us about is that envy, if left unchecked, makes co-workers into competitors. It makes co-workers into competitors. Look at verse 12 there. If you look at verse 12, we see that these, uh, we've, we've heard the story that people are hired throughout the various parts of the day. And the first group that's hired at the very beginning of the day, they agree to a denarius. And that's a good wage. Uh, this was not uncommon. I know today you and I kind of have jobs lined up and we go, but it was very common in that day for those who were landowners to go to a certain part of the city and find those who were day laborers and to pay them a wage to come and harvest grapes or tend sheep or do, do things along those lines in this agricultural setting. And a denarius was like the top of a day's wage. It was a day's wage, but it was, it was right at the top of the day's wage. So these guys who started off, they're like, yes, First day, right in the morning, here I am. I'm getting a good wage for the work I'll do today. And they set off. And you know the story. He goes at various other times and right up to almost just an hour left in the work day. And he hires more and more people. And I can imagine when that second wave came through, those who were there were thinking, yes, ah, more help. This is awesome. More co-workers. This is going to be so great. And then the next wave comes. Wow, we're going to do this whole field in one day. And then the next wave comes in. And the next. They're excited that they have co-workers. But then something changes. When all of a sudden... Everybody gets a denarius. And that envy gets in there. And all of a sudden, the co-workers that they were so excited to see are now competitors. And they, they say, these men were hired last, only worked one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. That envy was making co-workers into competitors. It's interesting, this envy is not just something that took place back in Bible times, but it even takes place today. In the morning, I, I do some walking and some running, and I've gotten in the habit of enjoying listening to books. Uh, sometimes those are a little more weighty theological books uh, on church history or something like that. And sometimes they're just fun books, uh, a novel or something that I, I've been wanting to read or listen to. And so it was February and I decided, hey, this is Black History Month. I'll listen to something from Martin Luther King. And so I've been listening to this book of his speeches and some of his writings. And, and it's, it's lovely. It's been uh, recorded by several different uh, well-known actors and actresses, and, and it's just beautiful to run and to hear the power of his oratory. But I was struck by a study that he uh, mentioned or he referenced in one of his talks. And they were approaching, and you know, he was working for racial re- reconciliation as well as working for the poor. 
And this was one where he was talking about the poor, and he was talking about race and relatedness to poor. And they said they approached some white workers who were making at the time about $2 an hour. And one of the questions in the survey said this, Would you like to receive $5 an hour? Can you imagine? $5 an hour. $5 an hour. But knowing that your African American brothers and sisters who work alongside you would also get $5 an hour. Or would you rather get $350 an hour knowing that they would only get $250 an hour? The overwhelming majority, I think it was like 75%, said they'd rather get $350 knowing that someone else was getting less than for everybody to get five. That's envy. It turns co-workers into competitors. And it begins to poison us. It begins to plant the thistle seeds in our own backyards. And what we need is for Jesus to come and change the food in our feeders. If we don't, We turn our co-workers into competitors. Number two, envy makes us blind to our blessings. Envy makes us blind to our blessings. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 tells us once they saw that everybody was getting a denarius, everybody was getting a good day's wage, so those... So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Now, grumbling is the Greek word. Are you ready? It's kind of a tongue twister, but it's fun to say. It kind of sounds like grumbling. Or it sounds like the noise you make when you're grumbling. Higongunzon. 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 You want to say that with me, don't you? It's just fun. And you can say it in a grumbling way. That, that would be even more fun. You, you guys at home too. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, gong goons on. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, gong goons on. Just sounds like grumbling. This is actually the word in the Greek translation of the, of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. It's the same word that's used when the children of Israel are grumbling about being out in the desert and they're complaining that God has led them out into the desert to die. Kind of a crazy word. I like how Dan Boone uh, talks about this grumbling or the complaining and what envy does. He says, envy destroys our capacity to enjoy the life we have been given. Let that sink in for a second. We're always feeling robbed, cheated, unappreciated. We experience our own life as lacking It's an emptiness. That's a good way of capturing Higongunzon. That grumbling that gets in there when this envy creeps in, we become blind to our blessings. I'm not sure if many of you have heard of the composer Antonia Soleri. He was a teacher 
for some phenomenal people that I'm sure you have heard of. He, he taught somebody named um, Beethoven. Ever heard of him? Probably not. Schubert? Liszt? He was their teacher. He wrote music and he prayed that God would allow him to write the music of heaven. He was quite a composer in his day. But all of a sudden, into his world in Vienna came this young guy named Mozart. And he just seemed to have music flowing out of him. He could do anything. He could write anything. He could sit at a piano and just compose. And Salieri became envious of the gift. So envious and so destructive was his envy in there that he was actually blamed when Mozart died at a young age. Salieri was actually blamed for poisoning him. And scholars are kind of back and forth on whether that was actually true or not. He both admitted it and then retracted it. So, sounds like today in politics. But Salieri was blind to his blessings. And he was captured by envy. And he was planting the thistles in his own backyard. And what he needed was to let God change the food in his feeders. Brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, you and I can wind up blind to the blessings that we have. Blind to the good life that God has given us. Those workers were given a great day's wage. But when they became envious, they just wound up grumbling and complaining because everybody had it. Lastly, envy dares us. It actually dares us. You ready for this? It dares us to judge God's Grace. It dares us, you and me, to judge God's grace. Look at verse 15. This is the landowner telling those who are Hegongungzan, him. He says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? I want to look at that last phrase because I think this is where it really, Jesus gets that point sharp and hits us right in the heart. That literally in Greek, the uh, are you envious because I'm generous, it says this, is your eye evil because I am good? He's saying, is there something wrong with your eyes? That this envy is creeping out, and you are actually judging my blessing of someone else. You're daring to say, God, I'm the one who should determine who gets blessing and who doesn't, or the level of blessing that someone should get or that someone shouldn't get. I love this quote by Dr. William Willimon. Let me read it for you. He says, to envy our neighbor's good is not only to despise ourselves, but also to despise God. 
to regard our lives as diminished in comparison with our neighbor's life is to despise the God who gave us our lives as they are. It is to say that God made a mistake in making us as we are, in giving us the gift that we have been given, and by implication, in making our neighbor and giving our neighbor the gifts that have been given to them. Envy can get in so deep that we begin to judge God's grace. How audacious of us to think that we should know and determine who God can be gracious with and for. How's your eye? Is Jesus saying anything to you about envy this morning? Are you maybe beginning, is it maybe beginning to dawn on you like it was on me in the backyard of my own house? Are you beginning to wonder, am I planting the thistles in my own backyard? Are you willing today to change the food in your feeder? To let God do that. Well, I said I wanted to give you some exercises on how to see that happen. How to see that change in that sin of envy. That brokenness. That poison that really, really damages our relationships. There's a few ways that we can do, and you can think of it this way. RSVP. I know that means respond, see, we'll play. That's not what we're going to... It's not what this is going to mean today. RSVP. The first thing, and most importantly, that R stands for repent. That one of the things you can do to empty your feeder and change the food in your feeder is to repent, to turn around. That there is something about saying, God, I have my eyes focused on what was going on in my neighbor's life. And I was wanting what they had. And I was wanting to take what they had. I was wanting it for myself and wanting them to be deprived. And I'm going to repent. That word means to turn. I'm going to focus on you and what you have given. I, I repent of this. Come and change my heart. Change the food in my feeder. Help me, O oh God. First thing you can do to change the food in your feeder is to repent. To acknowledge that this has happened and to turn towards the loving arms of Jesus who longs to deliver you from the poison of envy. The next thing you can do, R-S, S. The next thing you can do is some solitude. I know that sounds strange. Solitude, why solitude? Solitude, meaning get alone, no phone, no commercials, no advertisements to make you envious, no other people's clothes to see how awesome they're dressed and looking down at yourself. There is something about solitude that helps us deal with envy because it gets us alone with God and it gets our eyes on nothing but the back of our eyelids, if you choose for that, or just 
sitting and looking at your own lap. Solitude is good remedy for envy. To sit with God and allow Him to just let us see our blessings. That's, that's the next thing. The next thing you want to do, that V, R-S-V, is to voice your blessings. To speak them out loud. I'm not talking about thinking them in your thoughts. I'm talking about letting those thoughts travel down the nerve lengths, open air into your lungs, push that air out through your vocal cords, move your mouth in the words to say, God, you have blessed me with. And say that. You have blessed me with a wonderful wife who is my partner. You have blessed me with an incredibly awesome son. You have blessed me with a home I love to live in and good neighbors where we take care of each other, even through a pandemic. God, you have blessed me with a vehicle. God, you have blessed me with a job. I'll say, God, you have blessed me with a wonderful church family that's allowed me to learn how to pastor over 12 years. There is something about vocalizing your blessing that begins to let one joy move to another joy and allows envy to begin to drop out and you begin to see the food in your feeder get changed. Are you with me? RSVP. The last thing is to pray for God to bless someone else. So not only are you going to repent, not only are you going to spend some time in solitude, not only are you going to vocalize your own blessings, but you're going to pray that God would bless someone else. And here's the, here's the key. As soon as you know you are envious, and sometimes it takes a second or two, you don't realize you see somebody, something good happening to someone else, and all of a sudden you realize there's something going on in here, and you want that, and you realize that poison of envy is in there, and somehow those thistle seeds have gotten back into your feeder. Right then in that moment, stop and say, God, Bless them more. I don't know. Maybe they got a new car. God, I just pray that that car would last them for 35 years with no accidents. God, I pray that they would never have a flat tire. Be creative. It's just about blessing someone else. Hey, you know, pastors can, pastors can be envious too. And I've learned that some of the greatest moments uh, of my time in prayer is when I think about all the other churches up and down Oakland Drive, which should be Church Street, like 23 of three, 23 churches on this road, and to just go right down and to pray, God, be with Pastor, Pastor Beth and Pastor Jeff at Valley Family. Just pour out your spirit. I pray that you would send 7,000 more people to go to their church. Pray for Pastor David at, at First Assembly. Siri's even getting in on, on, on praising. Pray for Pastor David. Say, God bless Kalamazoo First Assembly. May they just see your work. And somehow, 
It just brings joy. As the food in the feeder gets changed and envy's poison begins to drop away. Has Jesus asked you about your eye today? Is there some envy that's going on in you? It can be very, very subtle. Maybe today you will begin to RSVP to His grace. Allow Him to change the food in your feeder so that you can begin to see blessing going out. No more thistles in your own backyard. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that it is you who is walking us through this series on sin. You are so gentle and kind, and yet you are so clear and direct about what can take place in our hearts that poison us, that plants thistles in our own lives. you can clearly direct us to allow you to change the food in our feeders when it comes to envy. God, if there is some of us here today who have felt that direct, gentle pointing out, hey, this is you. You got thistles in the feeder Until we change that, you're just going to end up with more thistles in the backyard. I pray that if that is me today, if that is you today, that we would simply repent. We would turn to you, Lord Jesus, and say, Yes, Lord Jesus, change my heart. Help me to remove the thistles and allow you to give me the living bread that brings joy into my life. Let me drink from Your hand the living water that wells up even within us to new life. Father, lead us into solitude where we can be alone with You Help us to voice our blessings and help us to pray blessing upon those that in the past we have been envious of. And as we do that, may we just begin to see the goodness that you have given to us in and as our lives. Thank you for your goodness to us. My brother and sister, if this is you today, my friend, here or online, and God has pointed out that envy has got a hold of you, would you just pray this simple prayer with me? Jesus, I turn to you. I acknowledge that you are right about the envy that's made its way into my heart. Cleanse me 
forgive me. And help me to move in to those things that will cause envy to drop away and cause me to see the blessing of my life. I pray and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that today, I want you to know that you are forgiven. And now Jesus is going to move with you into those other things of solitude and voicing, vocalizing blessing and praying for others to be blessed. And I believe that slowly but surely you will see new goodness come into your life. That's good news, isn't it? Good message today. Would you stand and receive the blessing And now, my friends, both here in the building and around the world, I pray this week that you will hear the gentle but clear voice of Jesus pointing out pride or envy. I pray that you would RSVP and let Him change the food in your feeder so that your life, your backyards won't be filled with thistles, but you'll see the blessing that He has given you in and of your life. I pray that you will vocalize your blessings and I pray that you will pray for blessings upon those you were formerly envious of. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, completely. That your spirit, mind, and body may be preserved blameless at his coming. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Go in peace. Go in his name. Go with blessing. I pray you have a great week. God bless you as you go. Say hello to a few folks. Bless them. Pray for them. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.